Moncrief on News Talk. Stuff that changed the world. The mobile phone, the internet changed the world. Penicillin, I would have thought. I would say sanitation. It changes everything. Simon Tierney uh, joins us once again for some to talk about something that's central, I would imagine, to all our lives, unless one is an utter vulgarian, that being the tea bag. Yes, indeed, Sean. Do you tea bag or tea leaf? I tea bag. Uh, You're a bagger. <laughs> I'm a bagger. I do enjoy I a, a good. Look at you. I do enjoy to be given a good tea bagging. <laughs> <laughs> and I recommend right now people ge- <laughs> Google what that means and find out it means something completely different. Just don't Google images. <laughs> no, actually, yes, indeed um, not. <laughs> yeah, we we are a nation of teabaggers. Let's be frank yes. about this. Um, it's it's amazing to think, though, that in an Irish context, at least, the teabag is relatively modern. And the reason I know this is because, first of all, the reason I'm talking about the teabag is because. Um, it's the 120th anniversary of yeah. the tea bag. Okay. I only found that out once I started researching it. <laughs> so I don't think there's that many people celebrating it. But um, the thing about it in an Irish context, Sean, is bizarre, is um, even when I was talking to my parents the other day, they didn't have tea bags growing up. They weren't popular. The first yeah. mention I could find of a tea bag in, an Irish news, in the Irish newspaper archive. It was 1957, right? And this was from an article in the Irish Independent. And I wanted to start with this because I think it, it gives us a sense of what an alien object a tea bag was to Irish people in the 1950s. The article says, each bag made from odourless, tasteless, high-grade filter paper contains enough tea for three or four cups. So that means you're reusing the tea mm. bag for three or four times. People, some people People still do that. The bag goes unopened, it says, into the pot. And after five minutes, the tea is ready for drinking. So what what we can ascertain from this article in the Irish Independent from the late 50s is that the writer feels obliged to actually explain how a tea bag works and what it's used for. Hmm. So that tells me that the tea bag is something that was very much not in common use at that time. Yeah, and we, which was, I suppose, maybe tea bags were more expensive or people didn't trust them. Yeah, I, I, I think there's, well, there's certainly an ingrained snobbery um, about tea bags. A lot of people still don't yes, use tea yeah. bags because they feel that tea leaves are better and they prefer to have their mouth full of that yeah, horrible that, tea that leaves. whole thing. But it's more intricate. You need the strainer and you know all yeah, that stuff. It's a whole palaver. And the mouthful of tea, uh, of tea leaves at the end of a cup of tea is disgusting. It's it horrible. Really is. Yeah, it and ruins. you can't finish the cup either because there's yes. all the silt at the bottom. Yeah. But um, like I was talking to my dad about this the other day, and he was remembering that when he was growing up, they didn't have a tea bag in the in in the 1940s and 1950s. But what most people had was a tea strainer spoon, okay? Now, I had never heard of this before, but apparently every household in the country had one of these. It looked like a teaspoon, okay? Mm. But the end of the spoon, the head of the spoon, was enclosed on both sides. So it was almost like an enclosed egg at the end of a teaspoon. Right. And that had was pierced with tiny, tiny holes in it. So you, it, it was a hinge, it was on a hinge, so you opened the end of the teaspoon, put your tea leaves in, closed it with a clasp, mm. and then you put that in your mug and poured over boiling water if you're making tea for one. Oh. And the, the tea leaves were not able to escape from this contraption, but the tea at the same time was able to infuse when the boiling water was poured over it. Brilliant invention, don't know where it's gone. 
Yes, that's so clever. It's essentially a kind of a metal tea bag in a, in a way. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and it it comes full circle for us with this story, really, Sean, because the very first tea bag, which was designed 120 years ago, was also reusable in this sense, and it took me a couple of days of kind of sleuthing to try and figure out exactly what this contraption did, right? It was invented by two women from the city of Milwaukee um, in uh, Wisconsin, in the northern United States, on the border there with Canada. Um, And they filed for patent in 1901. They finally got the patent in 1903. But what they were doing, these two women... um, was Roberta Lawson and Mary Malloran. I should give them their names. They patented a contraption called the tea leaf holder. And I went to the patent, the US patent office to try and see if I could get the original wording on the patent. And that gave me a sense of how this contraption worked Mm. because it never went into production. This was very much a concept. But they still came up with the idea was that it was um a, a, it was made with me- a cotton thread gauze okay or a kind of a mesh okay but it was on a wire frame so hmm. they described it as a, a tea pocket so it's almost like a pocket with a wire frame around it so it, that it had shape the shape of the cup and you you dipped that in your mug and then you poured you you poured the tea from the tea caddy into the tea bag and then you poured the water over it when you were finished to be honest it's like a modern uh coffee machine so it's like a filter right mm. uh, a reusable coffee filter so when you'd finished with your tea you took it out and you washed the tea leaves out of the tea bag and you kept it for the next time you wanted to make a cup of tea. Mm. So the tea never came manu- never came in a tea bag pre-prepared for you. You had to pay- make the tea bag yourself. Does that make sense? Yes. I do. How big was this tea bag? Was it the, the, the size you'd recognise today? Absolutely. The same size as today because it had to fit in a cup. Right. A bit fecky though. I mean, and fiddly to, to deal with. You might as well just use your metal contraption. Absolutely. Really. But what we should remember is that this is the, the tea bag. You, you've absolutely hit the nail on the head there, Sean. It was finicky, but this is pre the age of convenience. And this series, Stuff That Changed the World, it often uh, balances on the idea of the age of convenience in the late 1950s and early 1960s mm-hmm. when so many household goods became popular. But pre the 1950s, People were happy to take time making a cup of tea. Yes. <laughs> you know, they were happy to do a lot of things that we are not happy to do nowadays that we think are a waste of time. Oh, yeah. When we could be doing, you know, we could be on Twitter. Yeah. Right? God, I know. How <laughs> dreadful would that be? But um, I, I think that's important. And uh, when it when the tea bag did become popular from the 1950s onwards, it was marketed very much as something which made your life more convenient. And it was all down to a tea importer um, in the United States as well. The story of the tea bag is, is quite American in many ways, really. Um, it was a gentleman uh, by the name of uh, Thomas Sullivan. And kind of happened by accident because the, the women in... Uh, Wisconsin, their their idea never took off. They were the first to patent, as I said, but it never went to manu- mass manufacture. Thomas Sullivan, he started sending samples of his teas to well-known people, um, to influencers of the day, so mm. to speak. This was 1908, and he was sending his samples in these beautiful little silk pouches. 
and people didn't know what to do with these silk pouches, so they threw them in the mug and poured tea over them, and the tea infused, and they liked it. Yeah. <laughs> and mm. so there was a demand mm. for something that he accidentally created. So he started putting the tea in um, in gauze uh, bags because the tea didn't strain very well in silk. And then eventually he realised that was too expensive and he was the first person to use filter paper uh, for a tea bag. So the properly disposable tea bag was uh, the brainchild of this Thomas Sullivan um, in 1908. Um, and uh, from there... Uh, things took off. But the really important thing, I think, Sean, that we should mention is the machinery that made the tea bag as popular as it is today. And it's a curious piece of machinery. It's called the CTC machine. I'd never heard of this before, right? The CTC is the crush, tear and curl machine. That's way scarier than C. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The crush, kill, destroy machine. I know. um, The crush, crush, tear and curl fixer man is here to fix that machine. Um, So this is a machine that had a series of cylindrical rollers with lots of terrifying sharp teeth on it. Mm. So you put your tea leaves into this and the tea leaves are rolled and they're crushed and torn and, and cut and all the rest. And you're left with these kind of tiny little pellets of tea leaf. Um, if you ever look at the, if you ever open a tea bag, it's actually quite interesting to see what's inside. You'll very quickly realise uh, whether you've bought an expensive tea bag or a cheap tea bag. I remember when I was living in London many years ago and I didn't have much to spend on groceries and I went to a very cut price grocery store one day and I bought their yellow label tea bags Mm. and uh, one of the tea bags was broken in the box and it was like dust so fine inside that tea bag you know Uh, whereas if you buy an expensive tea bag you'll notice that the you can actually see bits of tea leaf in the tea bag you Mm. know so that's that's the difference um uh, so this this machine len- really lent itself to making tea bags because the leaves that were crushed and that were put into it they quickly gave this very very dark brew and quickly is the important point there because it brings into question well how long do you allow yes, a tea yeah. bag to infuse and people have very strong opinions about that I don't know um, h- how you do it yourself Sean uh, I'd, I'd like it reasonably strong yeah but I give it a bit of an old poke, uh, is what I do. Okay. Uh, uh, you give it, it a squeeze with uh, your fingertips? Uh, oh, no, or I do the spoon, spoon with the spoon. But of course, yeah. obviously, the worst case scenario, you dig a bit too hard and then it bursts in the cup and then you start all over again. Yeah, it's a but whole... But say in the morning, the first thing I do is put the tea bag in the tea and then I go and do other things while that, you know, stews away for a while. Yeah, but I've noticed you do that around the office as well. You'll oh, often, I do, yeah. You'll leave your tea and then you'll wander away. and Yeah, I, yeah, I put the tea bag and then go to the toilet and come back again. I yeah. have washed my hands, by the way. <laughs> that means you're infusing for quite a period. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm a big infuser. Yeah. Well, my dad says that tea should be strong enough for a mouse to run across the top of the yeah, mug. Yeah, trot a horse off a kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And another thing, apparently you don't need to boil uh, um, the water just it just needs to be hot the, 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 we, I think in Ireland that's the thing that this, we feel it has to boil or it's not proper okay 
Okay, okay. Sean, I'm going to stop you there because I know that there's a, a lot of your listeners around the country now who are pulling their hair out yeah. after what you just said. It's a very American thing to serve tea with warm water. Oh, I don't mean warm, but it doesn't need to reach boiling, is my point. It does need to be boiled. Well, what, no, not for coffee, but for yeah. tea it has to be boiling, no? No. Otherwise it won't infuse properly. Oh no, the, the boiling is not... Sure, I mean, it's not <clears throat> boiling as soon as you pour it into the cup anyway. Yeah, it's, it's just It's hot. boiling adjacent. <laughs> um, come here, tell me this. What about scalding? Now, scalding used to be a big thing in this country, but yeah, nowadays people yeah. don't scald the pot. Yeah. But even people still scald the mug. Like, if you don't scald the mug, you're, the water that you pour into the mug is immediately going to drop in temperature and your infusion won't be as powerful as it could have been. That's it. Well, there's an interesting thing about the temperature because, like, a cup, my cup of tea journey, uh, uh, to use a word I hate, is that when I when I've when I've got it and I put milk in it, and I wouldn't put a lot of milk into it, it's a little bit too hot. But by when I'm about two or three sips in, it's reached optimum temperature when you get the full tea flavour from mm. it, and it usually lasts. Uh, until the end, unless I get distracted, and then there's a gulp at the end, which is lukewarm, uh, which is disgusting. I know. I knew a man. We used to be friends, and then we weren't, because he uh, used to put his milk into the mug first, Ooh. and then he'd put the tea and the boiling water in. Extraordinary behaviour. It is, and what? Why? It didn't make any. Well, it wouldn't make any difference, but it's ew. I don't know. It was no. some sort of strange ritual that he that he had. Well, I suppose we shouldn't judge. But we just did. But we just Ah. did. So, yeah, um, that brings us back to Ireland. Now, um, Sean, as I said about this Irish Independent article, my understanding from my research is that the tea bag arrived in this country in the late 1950s. I'm open to correction, but that's the research that I have found. That's the evidence. You know, I'm always looking for evidence. This is a very scientific slot. And that's what I'm going with. Now, um, We know that in the early 1970s, the two great rivals of the tea making business in this country being uh, Barry's of Princess Street Mm -hmm. in County Cork, first blended in 1901 on that street. And Lyons, the Lyons family started blending on High Street, very close to where we are here in this studio. Beside Christchurch Cathedral, they started blending in 1902. So the two companies, Barry's was first. Barry's was first. Yeah, the two companies started blending very much at the same time and importing. But um, it was Lyons that had a really game-changing moment uh, with tea in this country. And I, I wonder, do any of our listeners of a certain vintage remember this? But in the early 70s, they launched a round tea bag. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Yeah, I remember that. And, you know, what's the point? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's the whole thing. Now, there was probably some gobbledygook about how oh, it yeah. helps the tea <laughs> show taste better or what not. Tastes rounder. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it was the same company that launched the Pyramid tea bag several decades <laughs> later. Why bother? Mm. But what's interesting is that round tea bag in... Uh, in the seventies, had a profound impact on the sales of Lions Tea in this Did country. It? Yeah, yeah, it just goes to show how advertising and marketing gimmicks can can play a really important role. Their sales leaped, 
and they've been the market leader ever since. I mean, huh. there's no, you know, I know there's a rivalry between these two mm. and people have their opinions, but Lions has the, the Lions share of the market, yes. if uh, for want of use of a better word. Um, uh, and it all it's all down to the round teabag, let's be honest. Load of people texting in the, the thing you originally described as kind of metal teabag contraption uh, saying they have them. Oh, wow. You can get them. I bought my dad something similar in a kitchen shop not so long ago. Uh, Paul says, I have one of those metal tea uh, enclosed uh, spoon thingies. Brilliant, uh, says another texter. Uh, Florence says, I use the metal tea bag all the time with loose Barry's tea. Astonishing flavour, she says. That is extraordinary. That really is. Well, it's really interesting that your listeners are saying that because one of the big issues with early tea bags, Sean, is that people often turned up their noses at them and not because they were too convenient but because of the flavour because early filter bag tea bags filter paper tea bags uh, people complained that they could taste the paper or Mm. that they could taste the chemicals in the paper or even more worrying still they could taste the toxic glue that held the paper together and I I was surprised like it was only recently as in the last couple of years when they've said you can compost tea bags I I always assumed you could well Barry's announced I think uh, I think it was just in the last year Barry's announced that their tea bags are completely plastic free Mm. So, yeah, you can't be putting plastic in the in the compost bin, obviously, but now they seem to be compostable. But um, one thing that illustrates what I was saying about this taste of the uh, tea bags is Lipton's, which is still the biggest tea company in the world, mind, because they're owned by Unilever and they own PG Tips and all the rest as well. Um, I don't think anyone really drinks Lipton's in this country, but they were a pioneer in the early 50s uh, when they launched their tea bag. But they said in the ad, this utterly different type of tea bag guarantees you pure tasteless filter paper you taste only the pure tea flavor so it goes to show that there was a big issue at that time Ah, with people buying cheap tea bags that tasted of glue Uh, Denise says I once broke up with a bloke for putting his milk in the in the cup first good for you Denise you dodged a bullet Simon thanks a million as ever Simon Tierney there you are listening to the Moncrief show on news Moncrief on news talk